You are now listening to the Griot's Black Podcast Network, Black Culture Amplified. Welcome back to Writing Black. I am your host, Maisha Kai, lifestyle editor here at the Griot. And I am here this week with somebody who I am so excited to talk to. You know how you have like those friends that you make, you know, you like maybe meet them once and you make them on social and then it's like, oh, you're like my social like bestie. Uh, This is one of those people like for me who I'm always looking forward to what she tweets or what she has to say. Um, And apparently I'm not the only one. So uh, Shanita Hubbard is here with us today. Uh, She is, you might know her from any number of um, articles and op-eds, et cetera, but she also has a new book coming out called Ride or Die, a feminist manifesto for the well-being of black women. And as a black woman, I can say, uh, yeah, this was recommended. This is recommended reading. I'm gonna say at the top of the show. I never say that. But (laughs) Shanita, welcome to Writing Black. Thank you so much. Can I just say, I'm very excited to be here and just like a quick joke. When I had a meeting with my publicity director, she told me, of course I know about your show. So she she didn't know that I already knew you. Like I'm already like a fan of yours, the whole me in my head. You know, straight up love fest, right? So then my publicist was like, oh, we pitched her. She put you on the maybe list. We're waiting to hear back. I was like, what? (laughs) There was no maybe. There was no maybe. There was no maybe. And... You know, what probably happened is I was like, you know, we we launched this podcast a little later than we thought. You know, I, I joined the Grio uh, at the top of this year, 2022 uh, in January, and we thought we would be launching in the spring and then it got pushed back to late summer. So that gotcha. that is what had happened. But you were never no. maybe to me, honey. I was laughing. I was like, I was laughing in my head. Right, you're like, I will email her. Listen, I will DM you personally <laughs> to be like, ma'am. Um, yeah, no, listen, I am so excited to have you on to have a real chat, which we have never done, which is great. Um, but also because this book, so Ride or Die, um, first of all, I, I know many people will be engaged by the title alone. So kudos on that. But I'm going to be honest with you. I was triggered. <laughs> I was triggered. I was like, yo, um, you don't know my life. Like, you don't know. <laughs> you know how I've been living? You know, you like shouting out people on the south side of Chicago who maybe I do or do not know. And I was like, you don't know. You don't, you don't know my life. Um, you know, listen, you've written a lot of things and you are uh, also an academic. Why was this a topic that you wanted to delve into? That is an amazing question. And because I know that for us as Black women, right, we are often perceived as the mules of the world, right? There's this expectation that we come in and save the world, whether we are saving America from itself, whether we are saving, you know, that homegirl or that homeboy for the 50th time, there's just this expectation that we are saviors. But it's actually deeper than that. Like, we look at, our, for a lot of us, I want to speak like, you know, like we're a monolith, but a lot of us look at ourselves like that is our role. That yeah. is what we're supposed supposed to do right. right that is what in fact a lot of us feel like we can't we don't we're not even supposed to or aren't even worthy of receiving love unless we operate like that first so i really wanted to dispel that myth and that lie because it's not healthy for us the ride or die chick is synonymous with some of our foremothers who love our families deeply but never learn the delicate balance of loving others while protecting their own emotional needs They taught us how to keep our family close, how to preserve family traditions, 
and how to raise brilliant black girls who will grow to be amazing black women. Yeah, listen, receiving love or receiving support, you know, because often yes. it's like there can be love, but there's not support in the mm. same way that we give it. And I definitely, mm -hmm. you know, I love that you made some like, first of all, I love what you just said about saving America from itself, because listen, <laughs> I mean, and just the <laughs> irony of that whole that whole, you know, thing is, is, you know, we live with that every day. The, the, every day. Yeah. Um, and especially now, you know, midterms, all this kind of stuff that's going on. Um, but I also, I was really struck. So when I say I was triggered, it wasn't just actually by the way that you juxtapose what you call a ride or die girl or a woman uh, or chick, as Locke said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> And you and I are of the same era. So I, I, I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But it's also the professional thing that you point out, I thought was really striking in terms of, because I know I've been, I have been guilty of this and I know I have never necessarily won by being the ride or die chick at work. And I think that's tricky for, for black women in particular, like, you know, this thing where we feel the need to prove ourselves and to prove that we can do all the work and we do all the things. And like that superwoman complex goes into like overdrive. Right. Mm -hmm. But also I think our burnout is, is seriously under acknowledged. So like, mm -hmm. you know, that part to me, I, I just, and you take that on really early. So I was like, Ooh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I Thank you so much for reading that and for noting that because a lot of times when people hear write or die or you, or you hear that black women are, you know, considered to be the muse of the world right there, we don't tend to think of it in other aspects of our life. We think about it in relationship wise, right? We, of course, and like you and I were like joking, but not joking. We thinking about it in terms of like social justice and activism, but also how we operate at our job. Mm -hmm. Wherever you go, there you are, right? If you are that ride or die to be everybody's end or be all, that doesn't stop when you're at work. And the, the dangerous implications are there as well. Uh, yeah, listen, I have I have a couple of friends uh, who always tell me I, I'm too good at being what I'm too good at. <laughs> so mm. I'm just going to leave that right there. Um, mm. But you also do something and, and you do it in the first chapter. I And I'm going to applaud you for your bravery in doing so. Um, you frame this in the context of the Black church. And, you know... What's interesting to me actually about your book, so, you know, we started this podcast to talk about black writers and black words and how we use language, but also, you know, when you, you can't really talk about black writers or the way that we approach language without talking about Christianity and the impact it has on black people, African-Americans in particular as a whole. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, I, I thought it was a brave move. <laughs> just to, I don't know how else to say that. I thought it was brave. Um, but I also thought it was necessary. Why was it necessary to you? Because like you said, like there's no separation, whether we realize it or not, there's no separation between church and hood. Oof. Right. So you say that line in the book and I was like, even I had the exact same reaction when you said that. <laughs> Even if you've never stepped foot in a church, mm -hmm. the the person that raised you has, like the black women in your life have, and probably the woman in their life has, right? So there is a pattern that's replicated that happens inside the church that we don't necessarily speak up as candidly 
and that we see it manifest, but it's certainly alive and well there. And to your point, like we can talk about this openly, right? It's easy to talk about those ride or dies, those ride or dies that did a bid with her man, those ride or dies that work 75 days a week and don't take a day off. It's easy to talk about those, but we don't really talk about Sister Big Hat in the church, right? And how she performs in numerous labor, some in the name of God, some because there's this cultural implication of that's what's expected from her and how that sometimes gets exploited. And again, wherever you go, there you are, right? So it's happening at work, communities, relationship, and in the church. She's in our church passing our Bible verses to heal us. She's up in our relationships. She's the model of how we mother. We replicate her in our careers, pouring all that we've learned from her into boardrooms and spaces that don't even know who she is or why she is. Yeah, you know, um, and I am one of those people, I, you know, I have not been a, a regular church since probably I was, you know, a pre-adolescent. And still, I was like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, and I don't know that we realize how that dichotomy, like, kind of spills over. Like, I love that that, that whole idea of, like, there's no separation between church and hood, especially given where we are now politically in the world. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that even the very, 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 very rare chance that the rest of the world gets over it. I don't, I think that's something we'll still be living with and grappling with is the impact of what it means to be a black Christian on the black community. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like <laughs> the ride or die, the ride or die chick, whatever, it's been so mm -hmm. exalted in, uh, you know, uh, pop culture, pop cultural vernacular. And you really both, I, find, I think you did something really nuanced here, which is that you still exalt her while also kind of deconstructing what that means, really. Um, is there a way that you're hoping that we'll reframe what it means to be a ride or die? Absolutely. I would love, I want us to, I actually want us to reject the notion of a, of a ride or die, right? So um, at its core, right, this ride or die is this woman that's giving un tremendously, giving every ounce of herself with no expectation right. of reciprocity, right? right? And, and, the re and you can, it's easy for me to exalt her because she was me, right? She lives in my family. You know, she helped raise right. me. I went to church. I shouted Me and you, your mama and your cousin too. I promise yes. you. <laughs> I see her, right? Yes. And just in love without um love without seeing someone's flaws is not love at mm. all. It's just like infatuation, mm. right? So I see her, I see us. Like, you know what I mean? She's us. But I want us to continue to love each other, show up for each other, but with a caveat, have that expectation of reciprocity, protect yourself, know that that isn't required for you to receive love. Like, so yes, I want to reframe that. And I want us to like uproot that whole notion of, you know, we have to operate like that if we want to receive something healthy. And I also want us to see that that's not healthy. I want it to be seen as a ride or die chick in the most romantic way. I wanted to be the Bonnie to a Clyde, a beautiful woman who was happily in an us-against-the-world relationship. So yes, I want us to reframe it and also deconstruct it and pick it apart and be honest with ourselves, right? I, I thank you and I am so thankful and grateful that A, you read it and that B, you were honest with it, right? Because it's easy to kind of look at this like a they, right? But you allowed, you were honest with yourself and engaging with the text. So I'm so thankful. 
We'll be back in a minute with more Writing Black. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that there's any, you know, woman-identifying Black person that I know who will not identify with this on some level. Like, I really feel like... And I love that you also... You broke this down further to say that this was not about... like This is this is not a class issue, right? So you said earlier mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that oft-repeated phrase that we say that Black people are not a monolith. It is true. Um, Mm -hmm. but that said, ride or dies aren't either. And this Mm -hmm. idea that we should be, or whatever that, you know, entails, it spans so much further than, you know, um, hood chicks, for instance, or whatever, like, you know, I'm, I'm self-admittedly bougie as hell. And I'm like, yeah, this is me. I do that. I do that. <laughs> you know, so I don't like it's not this is definitely to me more of this is a an intersectional like black woman thing <laughs> that we do, you know, where we're expected to be the pillars, not just our community, but everything else. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and I, you know, I asked that last question. It was a bit of a trick question because, I, you know, I, I admittedly I, I did read the book. So I know that part of you is saying we need to reject this thing we need to be anti ride or die ride or die and i will admit one of my favorite phrases of the last few years was like well where are we riding to like right. why we got to die <laughs> you girl know? you ain't riding me till i die like that's been my you ain't riding me till i die where but we why though? <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry i'm not queen and you're not slim and no <laughs> Like, I don't want to do it. Listen, listen. <laughs> but I love you. Listen. I love you. Uh, would you, would you, would you say that? Okay. So would you, would you, let's talk etymology for a second. Would you say a ride or die is the same as a pick me? Oh, that girl, they cousins. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. Like that. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I had to ask. Cause I mean, you know, we, we live in a social media culture now. I mean, we didn't right. necessarily grow up in one, but that's where we live now. And mm-hmm. when I look at like the pygmies, I'm like, oh, you, you guys are really ride or die. Like you're just, you will literally go down. They'll do the absolute right. Like, like this you know is a hill I mean? you're going to die on. You will, you will go down the blaze of glory. <laughs> Those pygmies are probably like the literal form that Kiss described in a song when he's talking about, you know, making you use your credit card twice in the mall. You try for the fall make a use of credit card twice in the store might make you do it tomorrow you trifling uh-huh. they be like i got you because i want to build with you king so yes well i love that you brought that up so the other thing i wanted to ask you about again since this is a podcast about writing is that you in a very interesting way have also written a book about other writers right like this whole premise is very much based on a phrase that was you know, coined by lyricists. I love the fact that you're like, this isn't even like, if we're really look, like, talking about like the lexicon of songwriting, this isn't even like a good song. Like, it's just like. No, for real. Like, I- I'm from Yonkers. Like, I am like hip hop to my core. I'm from Yonkers. I love the lot. <laughs> That's not even y'all best of y'all best. Right. <laughs> I'm a ride or die chick. I 
No, real talk. And we're going to double back to that. I hope you are enjoying this conversation as much as I am. We'll be back in a minute with more Writing Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything black. Listen today on the Grio mobile app for all the black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. But like, yeah, this whole idea of like, you know, like people taking a phrase and running with it, like, you know, I, <laughs> like how did this one man's philosophy become, <laughs> you know, I'm, I shouldn't say one man. I know there, I know there are multiple people on locks, but. No, real, honestly, that's a great question. The reason why that song, because we laughing and joking, like, yo, out of all of the lock songs, like the reason why that phrase like ring so loud and so true and we still use it into this day. I mean, it wasn't like created by the locks, right? But they helped to kind of popularize mm-hmm. it and like coin it. It's because they gave us a label for a definition, for a behavior, for a trait that we have known for generations and generations. So even if the term itself, right or die, is new, the description, the meaning, yeah. you know what I mean? The type of relationship dynamic, that isn't right. new. So that's lived on before us, you know, it probably will continue to live on, you know, after us. So that's what it is. It's not that because they just tapped into something that was pre-existing and they just boxed it up and gave us this nice little label. Well, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, as my producer says, it's like, you know, they made it like a badge of honor to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, when I talk about how you really made this look about writers and referencing other writers, you know, you start this book out talking about the Kambahi Richard, uh, excuse me, Kabahi River Collective. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know where I got Richard from. Anyway, <laughs> but you know, I, I think to myself, like, damn, like, you know, all this work that so many amazing, amazing people are doing to, you know, A, magnify that work that was done 40 years ago or 50 years ago and, you know, bring it. It's like, do you ever feel like, I mean, do you feel like you're screaming into the void with this? I mean, you're in, again, you're also an educator. You're, you know, you're, you're doing all so many things. What, what is this, what do you hope people will grab from this? Um, that's another, no, you're, you're good at this. I'm not um, bad. And I'm, and I'm also, <laughs> listen, I'm also deeply interested in what my peers have to say. Like, I think, like, this is how we feed each other. So it's like, that's why we started the podcast. And that's why I asked the questions. So, but no, we, I don't believe that um, screaming into the void because I feel like there is something different Mm. happening, right? I feel like women are saying like, you know how you're starting to see like hashtag soft life. I feel like there's a whole generation of women that are pulling away from that, that are asking the questions like, wait, where are we riding to? Or why can't, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like there's a whole, there's a whole movement of women asking these type of questions. And what do I want people to get from this? I want it to hopefully for people to engage with it the way 
way you did. I want it to be, I want it to be a mirror. I want for people to to see themselves in it, right? And holding up a mirror. And then sometimes we do this thing, right? When we're looking in the mirror, when we don't like the reflection, we tend to take a shot at the person holding right. it, right? Yes. I want people to not do that. I want people to seriously engage with what they're seeing and what they're sitting in and sitting in and find a way to break that pattern in their own lives because that's where it starts. And then in their family's life and their younger daughter's life if they have one, right? So yes, to answer the first part of the question, nope, I'm like, I have so much faith in these younger black girls who are like, I wish I knew what you knew at 20 because I'm just hearing it and I'm seeing it. And I just want us, you know, our generation and a little bit older to engage in it more critically and honestly. We will be back in a minute with more Writing Black. The Griot Black Podcast Network is here and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the Black perspective. Ready for real talk and Black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. You know, but I, I, I guess the reason I asked that too is because like part of me is like, and I'm, listen, <laughs> there's so many, so many things I want to discuss with you. You know, I think even for those of us who maybe did know it or had an inkling of it, you know I mean? Like I was in college studying, mm-hmm. you know, Bell Hooks and Patricia Williams, and, you know, like and all these voices and, and really rooted in my black feminism at my very feminist, you know, college that I went to and still and still you know Mm -hmm. the cultural pressure I think to show up a certain way um I mean heck I I hesitate to say this but I'm also like when I look at the 53 percent I'm like (laughs) hey listen hey that that gender card Mm -hmm. plays really strong sometimes you Mm know um Mm -hmm. I'm also interested because you have worn so many titles you know you are this is to my understanding, your first book, which is like wild to me. It's wild to me. Cause like, to me, you've been such a prominent voice for such a long time. I can't believe nobody's tapped you to do this before now. Um, but you are a professor, you're a journalist, you are an acclaimed writer and columnist. Um, you know, I know for a fact as a writer myself, as a columnist myself, that the backlash can be very strong and you have now chosen to not just like these don't just live in a column that maybe will go be archived by you know the new york times or somebody like it's now in a book what are you how do you brace yourself i guess is a better question against the inevitable you know backlash against whatever somebody perceives to be black feminism because you know that's become a dirty phrase like how do you how do you buffer yourself can we just be honest here? Whenever you are, this is, it's been hard to write, right? I, at every stage, I had to challenge myself to tell the truth. I had to challenge myself to be honest. And when I found myself 
hesitant when I, there were chapters that were harder to write than some right so there was a chapter um the corner right so i'm talking about like what it's like not critiquing common song in the corner but in common song in the corner he's talking about a very unique perspective he's talking about black men across america right just what the experience is like in the hood and in the corner and what this means to him and what this means to them memories on corners with the foes in the moles watch up the store for the rose talking straight forward to Got Uncle Zach smoking some for blow up their nose to cope with the blows. The wind is cold and it blows. That means something very different for those of us who grew up a little bit more developed than the rest. And you walking past these corners as a like a 12-year-old child, and these grown men are hollering at you, grabbing your butt, and all of this other stuff, right? So these things mean something different. So I remember like writing that chapter and going deeper. And it's very hard to share these stories because entrance, I'm naturally completely really protective of yes. my brothers. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, I don't want people to feel like I'm telling my truth, still being protective of a black man while I'm sitting there just and it's just me and my laptop in there like I don't want people to feel like I am saying black men are sexual predators I'm not saying that I am saying amongst us some of us are sexual predators some of them are sexual predators in terms of outward appearances Mika and I were polar opposites our bodies may have been different but when we sat in our middle school lunchroom and exchanged stories about the men on the corner our accounts were almost identical girl you know Terry was outside trying to get with me again I would divulge to my friend, hoping my nonchalant tone was believable. Ew, isn't he like 20 or something? That's gross. Some of us are, and if that's if that's your community, if your community is only black, like, you know, then those are the right. people you know. <laughs> so what I'm like, it's hard to say yeah. among those of our experiences, right? So I had to really weigh with that. Like, what's more important to me? I can't coddle invisible people's feelings when I'm trying to speak the truth for Black girls and Black women who don't have this platform that I do. Mm -hmm. So I know that some people that may not sit well with some people, but it's more important to me that those of us who share some of these experiences, who are still trying to reconcile, who's still trying to connect the dots between some of the things they were taught as a children or experiencing some of the things that they're doing in their own relationships, right? I feel a responsibility and it's and a greatest and a great sense of protection for them, right? To them. So I can't coddle invisible, you know what I mean? So I understand that people may not agree with the method and I get that. But if I only wrote about things that I feel like is going to get me yes, girls, retweets and snaps, I wouldn't even be Shanita Renee Hubbard. Like I wouldn't even be a writer. Because I've never, like, nothing in my writing has been, like, the easy, breezy, cute stuff. I love that. Stuff. Yeah, say true to self. I mean, you know, listen, I'm going to, just as an aside, Common and I grew up in the same neighborhood, in the same city, and I know that we had very different experiences being on the corner. And my, <laughs> listen, I used to have men follow me home from school and, you know, say stuff to right. me. The street. And I'm like, that's just not your experience. And that's okay. That's okay. Mm -hmm. um, yes. But, like, to your point, let's not negate that that is a reality for a lot of us. And that is also, I think, for a lot of us, unfortunately, our first sexual education beyond the mechanics of how sex works in terms of like how, mm -hmm. how sexual desire works. And I don't think that we, just as you proved in this book, I think you've made a really good case this, we don't discuss enough how that frames our outlook for the rest of our lives, not just in how we show up in a public way for our family, our friends, our, you know, our careers, but also um, in very intimate ways, you know, that we yeah. make ourselves uh, subjective. I'm also interested though, you know, I mean, I was just talking about my environment that I grew up in, but you know, you grew up in an environment that I'm actually, 
ironically familiar with. Like maybe it's not ironic. Um, you know, so you grew up in Yonkers and mm-hmm. um, I went to a, a college, a Yonkers adjacent college. I went to Sarah Lawrence. So I, I, and oh, I, get up. Like I right it, it technically is Yonkers. Don't let them fool you. It's yeah. Yonkers. And I lived in Yonkers for two years. So I, I, you know, I have minimal knowledge, but I do know that like Yonkers is unsung as you pointed out early on, unsung in terms of hip hop culture. Like it's like, you know, people always mm-hmm. want to talk about the Bronx. It's like, well, the Yonkers is Bronx adjacent and a lot of that stuff actually happened there. And a lot of that is a discussion you're having in this book. And, you know, as we talk about language and ideas and stuff like that, like how did that A, two part question, how did that A inform you um, as a, a, a young burgeoning mind and also give you the confidence to write. Well, um, to your point, what a lot of people don't realize is that when you grow up in a hood, and we're talking about specifically Yonkers, right? But this is probably true of a lot of hoods in America. A lot of people, you are surrounded by writers. We just don't call them that. We call them rappers, right? Everybody got bars. Everybody's spitting on the corner. There's always a superstar in everybody's hood who are using their words to paint many vignettes of their world. So it just becomes normalized to see people using their words to tell stories. And you just, and it become normalized. So it doesn't feel like that big of a leap when you start to do this yourself, but just in a different Mm -hmm. form. I remember like when um when the, my favorite versus I'm biased was of course the one with the locks and dip set. And I feel like there was a whole generation that just fell in love with Kiss when he oh, did yeah. his freestyle to the Who Shot Your Beat. And it was like, damn, he got bars or whatever. But I'm just like, yo, that's Kiss. They're so made. He's been dope. He's been that dude. All praises, all burners, all raises. Hand down, the game is all jaders. Anything drop, I cop in all flavors. He's a you y'all neighbors. <laughs> But he's not the only one. There's a whole bunch of kiss, you know, folks in Yonkers who got bars. There's a whole bunch of lyricists in every hood, right? So when you see this, we're not calling them writers. We're calling them rappers. We're not calling them people that are telling the stories. We're not calling them journalists. We're not calling them future novelists, right? But this is what they are. So I just grew up not realizing it then, but just completely surrounded by people that knew the power of words. Mm. Mm. We will be right back in a minute with more Writing Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Grio mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. Welcome back to Writing Black. Power of words. Like, now, see, that is a thing that I don't think we get enough credit for all the time. And I right. think that, like, Black people, like, we use language in ways. We're so, we, I love us. We're so creative. <laughs> we're so creative. Um, but, you know, I guess building upon that, you know, in your, you know, in your trajectory in which you took that intrinsic knowledge and then have brought it into academic spaces into so-called mainstream spaces what is your when you're approaching those spaces i mean you know we talk about you know obviously we all know about code switching stuff like that i i I personally Mm -hmm. have not known you to be a person who code switches but (laughs) how do you how do you bring yourself to those environments i can't 
imagine cold switching that's just too much labor that's just too much work right girl it's just it takes so much work to just exist as a black woman yeah. in america add on that i then have to cold switch to make these people in front of right. me feel comfortable it's too much right. like it's, i went from yonkers to an hbcu you know what i mean and then like i went to like this white school for my university but by the time i was older and got to those years i was already you know just no. <laughs> so how do I show up at that, those environments? I show up as my authentic mm-hmm. self. Like I can't even imagine doing a work to try to be two different people. I can't even imagine trying to, you know, I can't. I remember um, like my editor, she was editing one particular chapter and she was like, you kinda, she was like, I don't know, you sound a bit academic here and then you kind of sound a little bit, I can't remember the word that she was using. I guess let's just say a little bit hood here. I was like, all of this, this, I, that wasn't the language she used. Right. I can't remember what she said, but it it wasn't like if you you've read the book it's not super like academic no it's right? very relatable but it is also very rooted in this at least something i recognize from my own studies it is rooted in a very like socio psychological perspective in terms of like let's dig deeper so but that's shanita like that's who i am like when i'm talking to my homegirls i'm talking to my friends we can um we can go from talking about you know whatever we can talk about you know have you seen such and such yeah you know he locked up again right like what girl no again and then we can go from damn that's crazy asking about his mom and then somehow talking about mass incarceration and impact on our community and who's left out of that conversation and then double back again to talk about well then when he coming right. home right so those are that's who i am that's who the people in my circle are so that's natural for me so i just show up being exactly who so i am so how do you hope that showing up that way builds on this lexicon, this canon, if you will, of black feminist thought that we are, you know, Mm -hmm. I hope still building, you know, for me, like I was in college in the Mm -hmm. 90s and that was like, you know, such a huge awakening, period of awakening for me. Um, And I see it happening again. Like, how do you hope to contribute Mm -hmm. to that, that canon? I hope my dream, right, would be, I remember when I first read um, Dr. Joan Morgan, like I read her before she became Mm -hmm. my friend. Like when I first time I met her, I was like fangirling. But like when I remember first reading her book and that was the first time, and there's no shade to any other, anyone else's work, not to Belle, not to anyone's work, but that was my first time feeling like, I felt seen as the kids say, I got it, right? She spoke to me in a way that no one, no other feminist has ever spoken to me. And she caused me to think deeper about my own life. And in doing so, pushed me to explore the world differently. And then I started creating my own, you know, my own lane, my own, I don't want to say my own lane, like she literally yeah. built this whole hip hop feminism black thing, right? But I started to explore it in my own way and develop my own understanding and and ho- and, ho- and hopefully adding yeah. to the lexicon of thinkers, right? Just adding to it. So I'm hoping that there is going to be some black woman, some black girl that reads this and I speak to them in a way that no one else has, you know, before me. And then I will spark something in them so that they can create their own world. It doesn't even have to be a book, right? So they can create their own world, their own mark, and whatever that looks like for them. Listen, I'm not a girl. I ain't been a girl in a minute, but uh, but it spoke <laughs> to me. Like this spoke to me. I, I, you know, I I had to pause several times. I was like, yo, you again. You don't know my life, but yeah, this is. But it, it you know, it was very real. It was very tangible. It was very um, triggering in both good and bad ways. Like obviously, the idea of being seen is never a well, it shouldn't be a bad one. I think some of us don't want to be seen. We will be back in a minute with more Writing Black. 
The Grio Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the black perspective. Ready for real talk and black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Grio Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Grio Mobile app and tune in everywhere. Great podcasts are heard. All right, let's get back into it. Welcome back to Writing Black. But, um, you know, when you, you know, you talk about being part of this lexicon, when you are delving in, diving deep, you know, looking for the, that empathy, those reinforcements, who do you read? Who do you go to? Who's in, who's in your personal canon? of people that you, you read or, or even that you listen to, you know, anybody who works with words. Okay. Gosh, there's so many, um, lately we all, we probably have like the same phase, right. But lately, you know, Candace, yes. Bingo, like, yeah. of course, Candace, of course, Joan forever, Karen yeah. Mayo. Um, I actually was just listening. I just finished, I usually read books, but I've been busy. So I've been listening to, um, D Watkins book, mm-hmm. black boy joy. So I was like, oh my gosh, it's so there's so many, oh my gosh, Kiese, yes. like, um, Kiese. Um, my friend, it's you know when your homeboys. It's I'm at a place where my friends are like in my top five. And that's so dope. Like David Dennis <laughs> Jr. I'm like, come on, like, oh my gosh, there's just so many people, and I'm like, these yeah, are like my real yeah, life friends. Yeah. Well, why do you think I started this podcast? It's so I could just chat with all of you. <laughs> that's brilliant. I was like, yo, my people are dope. <laughs> um, no, absolutely. I mean, listen, I think that's exactly. And I think that's exactly what we should be doing, exactly what you're doing, hopefully what I'm doing. Um, you know, again, the subtitle of your book is A Feminist Manifesto for the Well-Being of Black Women. And even if we just zero in on the second, people who are scared by feminist manifesto, just, just focus in on the well-being of black women and want that. Because <laughs> it is mm-hmm. important And this idea of riding or dying, it's like it only works if it's mutual, right? Mm-hmm. then it wouldn't be a ride or die, right? If it's mutual, then what you are in a healthy mm-hmm. relationship, right? Because I see a lot of, you know what I mean? Because that's the thing. It's about if you and whoever your significant other is, y'all both giving 100 and y'all giving each other, that doesn't make you a ride or die because you expect and require mm-hmm. reciprocity mm-hmm. and you're getting it. And you know that, you know, you're, you know, and you're getting it and you're receiving it. So that, that's, that wouldn't be a ride or die. That's a mutually beneficial healthy relationship where it's flowing back and forth just asking us to recognize that well i hope everybody gets into this um you know this is uh it's exciting to me a it's exciting to me because my friend but also (laughs) it's exciting to me from the standpoint i think these are conversations that no matter how many um of our amazing black female minds explore this topic. I think it's always relevant. I don't think it's always unique and I think it's always affirming and empathetic. So I appreciate you writing this Shinita and I also appreciate you coming on writing black. This is so exciting to me. <laughs> Thank you. This was really, really fun. You might have spoiled me. Like my, this is like my book launch season. So I haven't done many interviews, but this is like, I, if this is the bar, then I'm Listen, good. I just wanted to have a conversation <laughs> with my home girl about some things. So that's what we do here. And I really appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. I, again, I appreciate you writing this book. I think, I think it does add to our lexicon. I think, you know, we had our version of books that we were reading in the late nineties, early aughts. And I love that there's a whole new generation who is getting to benefit from what we learned then, right? 
I haven't written that book, <laughs> but you have. Part of what <laughs> makes um, black writing so powerful is the empathy. And again, I, I got that from the very first page of this. So I, I appreciate you so much. Um, listen, you. I would love to know also though, what you're doing next. Are you working on anything new? Is there anything else that we should expect? Do my agent send you here? <laughs> right okay. now I'm just breathing. Listen, so this, this is a huge really undertaking. This is a major doing. undertaking. Yeah. I just, you know, I have to ask cause I'm me. <laughs> you will be the one All of the right, first people you to know. Back. So, there you go. I don't love it. Well, thank you so much. Shanita Hubbard, ride or die. Get this, get this lovely book. Thank you. <laughs> we will be back in a minute with more Riding Black. Introducing Dear Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, Black Fashions, Black Mendations, and everything Black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the Black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard. All right, let's get back into it. Welcome back to Writing Black. So this is my favorite part of all the episodes. Don't get me wrong, I love these conversations, but I also love encouraging our listeners to dig into more amazing thoughts and ideas and language. And you know, Shanita's, uh, you know, book Ride or Die, a feminist manifesto for the well-being of Black women. I do think is going to be a new touchstone for a new generation, not too unlike my generation. Um, but that said, there's other uh, voices of this space that I think coexist beautifully and dovetail with like what she's saying and the points that she's making. Um, one of which is Mickey Kendall, who did Hood Feminism. I want to say this came out. Is this 2020? This might be 2020. Um, you know, this is highly acclaimed book. Notes from the women who, that a movement forgot. Um, and when we talk about feminism, you know, whether first or second, or even to a certain extent, third wave, um, we are often having this conversation. When we talk about the 53%, we're having this conversation that black women have not only always been involved in feminism, but have in many ways been at the forefront of it. And um, feminism is not a dirty word, y'all. Don't be scared, don't be scared. Because I promise you, when Black women win, all of us win. That's a point that's also made by one of my favorite, favorite, favorite thinkers in the universe, Brittany Cooper, in Eloquent Rage. This book fascinates me because it came out, I want to say, in 2017, 2018, somewhere around there, um, and became a bestseller in 2020 amid a moment of peaked Black interest. But I'm so glad that so many people got to read this book because it's so important it's um it's also fun and it's so per like Shanita's book it's so personal and so relatable in so many ways uh so this is eloquent rage a black feminist discovers her superpower and i am going to drive that point home black feminist is not a dirty phrase it's not a dirty word it's not a bad thing to be it just means that we love ourselves enough to love all the rest of you so check them out and we will see you on the next episode of writing black Thanks so much for joining us for this week's episode of Writing Black. As always, you can find us on the Griot app or wherever you find your podcasts.
The Griot Black Podcast Network is here, and it's everything you've been waiting for. News, talk, entertainment, sports, and today's issues, all from the black perspective. Ready for real talk and black culture amplified? Be inspired. Listen to new and established voices now on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Listen today on the Griot Mobile app and tune in everywhere great podcasts are heard. Introducing Deer Culture with Panama Jackson on the Griot Black Podcast Network. Bring your friends for the shenanigans and stay for the edutainment as Panama debates culture wars, Janet Jackson versus Michael, black fashions, black mendations, and everything black. Listen today on the Griot mobile app for all the black culture conversations you don't want to miss. Also available wherever great podcasts are heard.